listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 156. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Erica Lou Williams, founder of Great NOLA and former Division I swimmer, to share her story of grit and her willingness to compete in uncomfortable conditions. Erica's entrepreneurial journey is fueled by what she has learned from being an athlete, which has taken her competitive spirit to a whole new level. By learning how to navigate through the fear of failure and trusting herself to show up in the toughest of times, this entrepreneur is primed to be a leader within the superfoods industry. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. Hey, Erica, how are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? Oh, I'm doing awesome. You know, um, when I spoke with you a few weeks back and started to get to know you a little bit and understand your story, I am thoroughly excited because I've never had anybody on my show that has excelled like you did within your sport, sport of swimming, but also the relationship that you had with the sport. And we'll get into a little bit more with, with the relationship, but I'm just really excited to, to learn more about your mindset as an athlete and how that helped you to be the entrepreneur that you are right now. Sure. Excited to share. Awesome. Cool. So let's get into my favorite topic, mental toughness. And I can only imagine not only as an entrepreneur, but when you were competing um, at a high level within the sport of swimming, you had to be mentally tough. So when you think about those two words, mental toughness, what, what does that mean to you? Um, I think mental toughness is having resiliency to push through, I think, any barriers uh, in pursuit of your goals, right? So mm -hmm. Everyone loves to win. Everyone loves to move forward, but there's often mountains that you have to push to get to that final destination and resiliency, mental toughness means you're able to kind of go through those challenges and get knocked down and get back up and know that at the end of the day, you're reaching that end goal and nothing's going to stand in the way of you and obtaining that. And you, you know, when you think about, this is a two-part question, but when you think about mental toughness, when did you start to understand or when you needed to, to realize you needed to be mentally tough, uh, especially within your sport? And then can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough within your career? 
Sure. So I was a pretty, um, I would say I was an overnight success in my swimming career. So I was always put in sports recreationally by my parents just to keep me active, but it wasn't like I was born and bred to be an athlete. And so Mm -hmm. when I was swimming age group at the age of 11, 10, 11, 12, as a swimmer, I peaked suddenly overnight. And by the time I was 13, I qualified for the U S Olympic trial. So in 2000, I was I believe the second youngest competitor at the meet and it just literally happened overnight. And I had no pressure from my parents. I had no pressure from myself to even compete as a, as a swimmer. I was age group. I wasn't, I was really slow actually. Um, Mm. when I had, you know, peers that were super competitive, but from the ages of seven, eight, nine, 10. Um, so when I found the sudden success, I think it was, I couldn't process it. Number one, cause I was so young. Number two, I never had expectations. Uh, and number three, I just had no, I had no pressure coming from any direction. And so once I was able to compete at this Olympic trials and you know, you're peaking as an athlete, at least, you know, I was peaking into the time that I was 15 or so. Um, I would say that I started to hit the first roadblocks maybe towards the latter part of my high school, um, career. So senior year where, at some point as an athlete or as a career person or a professional, you can't always constantly improve without setbacks. Like you're going to go through plateaus. That is just the nature of the journey. And mm-hmm. I started to experience that maybe by the time I was six, 17 years old, when I started dealing with my first injury. Um, and then that's something that kind of led into college as well. And so in retrospect, I actually never improved my best time in my best event, which is the hundred breaststroke since I was 15 and going into college, I was a 19 year old. Suddenly all of your classmates are just as fast as you, if not better. And here you are not doing great times at these huge meets when you could, you know, when in high school, I was able to actually beat those times all the time at like a random high school meet in the middle of the week. And so Mm. that was really difficult. In addition to dealing with injuries that kind of inhibited my ability to get the most out of practice and just, you know, put the work in. So Mm. mental toughness, I think was me always from the very beginning, seeing this huge upwards into the right trajectory. And then suddenly facing adversity when you're realizing, Hey, I can't, I'm not constantly improving my times. I'm not winning every single time. And that was definitely hard for me to process because again, I was young. I don't, I wouldn't say that I developed mental toughness when I got into the sport. It was, Hey, I got really fast. It was fun. Not a lot of pressure. And then suddenly it's, Hey, there's a lot of work and challenges that you have to face in order to keep improving and being your best. Wow. And I, and I want to talk a little bit, um, not right now, but we're going to talk a little bit how you dealt with adversities and poor performances and dealing with the ups and downs of the sport. Um, because your, your story is just, it's, it's incredible. And there's, I think there's incredible lessons that we can all get from what you went through. But before we get into to that part of your journey, you know, when we talk about sports, like your why, like why your motivation, like, why do you swim? And more often than not, we always remind young athletes to, to remember why you do it. And that's to have fun. It's like, yeah. it's, it's all about fun. Yeah. So, and we're going to get into your relationship with swimming, but when you first started swimming, like even before you got into the spotlight and had all the success, like what was the motivator? Like what, what motivated you to, to get into swimming? You know, I would have to say my parents put me in swimming to keep me active. And it was fun because you're just a kid and, you know, you show up to the pool, the the practices aren't crazy rigorous. 
I remember it was never anything that I dreaded in any way, but it also wasn't anything that was something that I loathed, uh, which Mm -hmm. there is kind of a varying spectrum because my parents put me in everything from like dance to basketball camp, to soccer, to swimming. And I remember with, with dance, I hated it. I actually like quit on my own when I was super young. Um, But with swimming and actually soccer was my second sport until I became ultra competitive at swimming. I don't remember ever having any feelings towards it. It was just cool. Part of my day after school and I have no problem with it. I don't, I don't remember disliking it. I don't remember loving it, but -hmm. the fact that I know that I didn't ever want to quit or I hated it on, you know, when I was young, where I did, I feel that I did feel that way about dance. I I feel like it was just part of just my life and my, like the process and activities my parents put me in. Right. (laughs) Well, then as you've got more into the sport, obviously you had the success. Did you started to feel, um, and I'll let you share that, that emotion and kind of your thought process, but you started to have this, this relationship, the negative relationship with the swimming, even though it was a means to the end of some of your goals, your academic goals, but share with my listeners, like, what was that journey? Like, what was that relationship that you started to develop with, uh, with, with swimming? Yeah. So, um, eighth grade was when I, after eighth grade was when I, um, competed at the Olympic trials. So I, I made my cut in eighth grade. I was not even within my swim kind of club. I wasn't even swimming on like the national team. I was still with an age group coach. Um, Mm. So to get to that point, I was still in this very leisurely mindset of, yeah, I'm a competitive swimmer, but I'm not really looking to qualify for big meets. I just do it because this is what I kind of grew up doing from maybe Mm. the time I was eight or nine years old. Um, And then I competed at the Olympic trials just based off almost like a recreational competitive, um, investment say, right. It wasn't like I've been training with the goal of making Olympic trials or making nationals. And so that was fun and exciting. Again, it didn't take (laughs) much work to get there. Like it literally was suddenly I dropped six seconds overnight qualified for junior. Uh, I think it was the JOs or junior nationals back then. And then at junior Mm -hmm. nationals, I qualified for Olympic trials. Um, so when I went from eighth grade to ninth grade, I, I aged up or not aged up, but based off like my, um, based off my performance, I aged up and moved into the national swimming group within my club sport. And it became more rigorous, right? So now it's, you have doubles, meaning you have morning practices, you know, at 5am Tuesday Mm -hmm. through Thursday while having three hour practices Monday through Friday and a three hour practice Saturday morning that starts at 6am. So I'm 13, 14 years old. That's the typical swimming schedule back when I was um, competitive. You know, this is in the two thousands, right? That's Mm -hmm. very normal. And again, I kind of just transitioned myself into this lifestyle, which I had to adapt to. And I was able to make work because it was all I knew going into high school. And I knew that this was my ticket into college. But I have to say that in high school, I dreaded every practice unless it was a recovery day or unless it was, you know, time to taper for a meet. And so recovery days, maybe one day a week, Thursdays, I remember tapers Mm -hmm. are usually two weeks out of the month prior to like maybe two or three big meets in the year. So 99% of the time I feared going to practice. I feared the pain. I I just hated it. I I didn't like it. But at the same time, when you're young and every time I'm swimming at a meet, I'm excelling, I'm improving. You just don't think about, like you try not to think about it, even though every single night I would actually fear and dread practice. But there was no way in my mind I was going to let it 
stop me, you know, in the beginning, or even when I got into college, I, I never thought like my career would end earlier than just swimming my last four years in college. Mm. Um, but I did live with this constant dread. It actually led to insomnia in college too, where I just feared the physical pain every day. I hated it. Wow. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the dread that you dealt with, but before we get into that part of the journey, uh, I'm just curious because when you qualified for the trials, uh, you were young and so you're on the spot, like you're, you have arrived for the most part, right? How did you, as, as a young athlete, how did you emotionally deal, deal with the pressure or was there pressure for you? Were you just showing up and, and just doing what you're doing or were you like, holy shit, like, I'm on the stage right now. Like, how did you deal emotionally at a young age, that pressure? Um, I would say that, of course, I felt pressure at the meet before my actual race. Mm -hmm. But I don't ever remember feeling, oh, I qualified for Olympic trials. Olympic trials is three months out and I'm nervous and I feel pressure in my training towards that event. I remember the pressure at the meet, which is good pressure, right? You always want to have yeah. those butterflies before you compete. But totally. it wasn't like it, it wasn't like I was harboring this pressure. Whereas, you know, by the time I finished that trials and then I'm thinking about 2004 trials or, you know, an Olympic birth, somehow yeah. you just start to mentally harbor this pressure just internally. Right. Um, so I would say that in eighth grade, when I competed at trials, it was more of a, I'm so excited to be here. I'm bright eyed, bushy tailed. Mm -hmm. Of course I have butterflies, like as I'm warming up and getting ready to go up to the blocks, but it's not anything abnormal. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and as you got more into your career and you got into high school and you started to feel this dread, did anybody notice or know that you were, you had this relationship with swimming and when you won these races in high school, did it make it better as far as your relationship with swimming? Gosh, I don't, I think you just think it's normal. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, like I said, it wasn't like when I was young and I did it more recreationally, I was like super enamored or in love with the sport. It was just something I did and I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. And then I got, I think I really felt good about the fact that I was winning all the time. And that was really fast. And I was, it was something that I was very successful at, but it wasn't like anyone knew that, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm selling my soul to the sport and I'm, I'm unhappy. I wouldn't say that in high school, I felt unhappy in any way by swimming. It was just part of the grind and what I was doing. And it was just what I was used to. So it just kind of felt like my world and part of just the deal, but mm. I hadn't, ever sat on any emotions of, Ooh, I don't like what I'm doing. It was just very much, oh, I hate practice, but this is what we have to do, you know, and I'm, and I'm going to do it because I'm going to swim in college. I'm going to try to make the Olympics. And right. there was no question about that being into like being my step into the future. Right. And when you got into, when you started to compete, uh, at the D one level and at Stanford, did that, did that dread, did it increase? Did it kind of stay the same? Like what was your relationship as you got more into the sport? Sure. So I would say in college, um, it got tougher. I think number one, I was dealing with an injury my senior year in high school that carried into college. And then, mm -hmm. you know, even as a 19 year old, I was unable to improve you know, my best events time since I was 15. Right. So right. that's kind of disheartening. Um, I think suddenly you're, you're literally on a team where you're no longer the superstar. You're almost like 
average or above average because everyone around you is yeah. just as good as you. And that was definitely something new. I wasn't used to not being, I was just so used to being the best once I got fast, when I start and I started to care, you know, and then yeah. once you get to college, suddenly it's like, wow, even playing field, like, and on top of that, I was really slow in practice. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know some, something about swimming. Like there's some people who are, maybe they're not super fast on a competition level. Maybe their best times aren't like super elite, but there's some people who are just really fast at practice. And I was someone that was fast at the meets. Like when I had to step up and perform and compete, I was really, really fast, but proportionately, right. Or in relation, yeah. I was very slow in practice, which makes it, I think worse, right? Because again, you're spending 99% of your time in the pool and you're getting your butt kicked. You're struggling harder than others to like make times, you know, intervals <laughs> or whatnot, but you're good at the meets. Right. And so that made it even harder just from like the physical demand point of view. Yeah. Um, but suddenly I just think there was like, you know, you're not always accelerating suddenly you're average, uh, you still hate swimming. Like you actually still hate practice. <laughs> and on top of that, you feel almost like disabled because you can't swim at practice as fast as just the average, almost like average, average athletes that didn't even swim D one, like were faster than me in practice in high school. So that was uh, really hard. You know, it's so funny you bring that up because I, I experienced that in junior college when, when I started to play, I was playing on, on an all-star team. Uh, and it was incredible. I was like, Holy smokes, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm still good, but these, these guys are really good. Yeah. And, but it, but it was, it felt good to be a part of that level of competition. But I, I remember trying to learn the offense and the coach was like, you know, as we were getting into the season, he's like, why is it you have a hard time in practice? But when we put you in the game, like, right. it's like, you just show up. I'm like, ah, I have no it's choice. Weird. I guess, I, don't know. I guess I have more choices and I, in my head more in practice, there's more space to, to think about stuff. Whereas in the game, it's like, let's yeah. just go. Let's do it. Yeah. I never understood why I was slow at practice, but it really sucked. Right. <laughs> yeah. It really sucked. I bet. Well, I got to ask this question just because, uh, you and I talked about this. Um, you know, I had Ryan Murphy on my show and, and we talked about, you know, waking up so early and jumping in a cold pool. And, mm -hmm. you know, even though the, the pool is chlorinated and it's clean, it's really not for the most part, um, from what he was saying, but how do you do it as a swimmer? Mm -hmm. Like for all those years, are you waking up jumping into that pool in the mm -hmm. cold morning? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you get ready for that? I don't know. You don't really think about, it. I think those kind of things, you just become robotic. You're not mm. thinking about it too much. Um, you know, I think where I get in my head was maybe like the night before when I know I have to wake up and I'm just like restless because I'm thinking about the pain I'm about to endure in the morning. Literally, that's how I felt most of the time. I had insomnia right. in college because of that. But again, similar to when I talk about that first time I was at Olympic trials, you know, once you kind of get ready, you have, you might, you have butterflies, but you kind of just, you know what to do. And I think once you're kind of in the hallway of the locker room and you know, the coach calls you out, you just run in, you jump in, you're not really overthinking it. Um, and you just get used to it over time. And I have to mm. say, at least, you know, as a swimmer, you are immune to cold weather and rain because you don't feel it once you're in the water. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I want to talk about competition because when we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, as you were sharing your story about kind of the relationship that you built, uh, with the sport, you, you shared something with me about that. You just love to win. 
Like, so yes, you didn't really love the sport, but there was something about that intrinsic charge of winning. Where, where do you think when you look back at your whole career as an athlete and also as an entrepreneur, where does that come from? Where that, that innate, like, I just want to compete and win. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Cause I want to say, is it, is it the competitiveness that makes me a good swimmer or is it the swimming that made me competitive? Um, mm. I, I really think that competitive nature is probably something more innate. And if I wasn't naturally competitive, it's ironic because it wasn't like when I was swimming more recreationally, I was ultra competitive. Maybe it did have to do with the fact that I, I did excel in the sport and then I love to win. And maybe that's when I developed that competitive spirit. But I still do think that when I think about me, maybe being a younger sister to an older brother, getting beat up on all the time, I had to be a little bit tough and more competitive. Um, right. and swimming was that first calling, but, um, yeah, I, I can't say that swimming is what made me competitive. I do think that I had that spirit internally. And then when I started to see, you know, swimming start to become a path, it probably ignited it even more. And then now you just, as an athlete, I think every athlete identifies themselves as competitive and you start to really own it and hone it. And so since then I've really like owned it and honed it and you cultivate it and you let that be a positive thing that drives you into being a successful career woman or a successful business woman. And yeah. it's something I'm proud of. I love it. I love it. And, you know, let's talk about transitioning out of sport. So when you, when you transitioned out of sport and you started to move away from swimming, you know, we, we talk, I talk about this all the time about the things that we get from the sport, whatever that sport is, we get so many, whether it's communication, leadership skills, discipline, sure. accountability, whatever it is. But for you, what were some of those things that you took from swimming that allowed you to be a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, I think that swimming gives me the confidence that I know I'm not going to be afraid of the work. Right. I, I look back on when I was swimming and I think about how much I hated the motion of swimming and the dread that I have had for almost every single practice on the daily from a very young age. And just recognizing that makes me feel like I know I can endure challenges and mm. anything that's worth pursuing is going to come with a lot of work. And I know that I'm not afraid of it as long as what I'm chasing is really meaningful and worth it to me. So it gives me confidence that I know I can probably outwork most people. And um, second, I would say, you know, it gives me great um, confidence in my time management skills, right? So as an entrepreneur, yeah. you're juggling so many things all the time, never enough hours in the day. But from the time I was 14 years old in high school, I had no time. And I was able to balance like, not just rigor from an academic mental point of view, but then like physical exertion towards practice. Um, so I feel like it's given me more of the tools to just know that I can put in the grit and the work to do whatever I have to do in order to make something successful. And nothing is going to be as hard as I think enduring physical pain all the time. Yeah, totally. Well, we talked about that before on uh, grinding, right? Like when we, when we're athletes, we're grinding it out. Um, whether if that, that grind is pleasurable or not, how much has that grind has prepared you to grind it out as a, as an entrepreneur? So much. And I think the the difference here is that when I think about my swimming career, I, I dreaded it 
but I knew, you know, I had to do it right. Because this is my ticket into college. You just don't, I haven't identified myself outside of swimming almost as like a young, yeah, like a high schooler, like swimming was my identity. It's what I did. And it was my ticket to the future. Mm. Now with my business, I would say that the vast, like the huge difference is that I actually love the process. So even though there's a lot of problems that I have to solve on the daily or things are not always going well, and you get some no's or closed doors, I know that it's just kind of a small setback and I'm ready to kind of make it through and pass that challenge because what I do and what I'm pursuing feels super meaningful to me. So with swimming, I would say that it didn't feel as meaningful to me at a certain point. I felt like it was just about not quitting. I felt like it was just about swimming my last four, you know, all four years in college, Mm. but I didn't feel like I really loved what I did. Whereas right now with the business, so I own a granola business called great Nola. So it's a, basically a building a food brand. Um, I actually love what I do and I appreciate and I value the hard work that goes into it. And I love the improvement and I love the learning. Whereas with swimming, the grind just felt like a shitty part of it. And I really didn't want to do it unless there was some sort of end goal. And so right now with the business, I'm much more about the journey. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, and we, we talk about, um, when I say we, as a society, we were, we see people's transition out of sport into whatever it is. Um, even your, your husband had to deal with a transition out of sport. And so, and there's a lot of incredible stories and there's a lot of tough ones where people Mm -hmm. didn't prepare for the transition. So when you transitioned out of swimming into your career, was it smooth? Was it easy for you? Sure. Um, so I ended up retiring from swimming after my sophomore year in college. So I ended up quitting And this wasn't something that, um, I ever thought I would do. And I just had this kind of moment when I was 19, where I realized swimming was just making me completely unhappy. I was not Mm. enjoying college life. I was tired all the time. I felt like a zombie. I just wasn't enjoying it. And at this point it was kind of like, all right, I'm already in college. I'm not so set on making the Olympics. Right. I mean, I could have swam at 2008 Olympic trials, but by quitting, obviously I'm not you know, it wasn't like I was set on making the Olympic team or competing at my third Olympic trials at that point really wasn't that meaningful to hold on for the last two years. And I Mm. ended up quitting out of just sheer unhappiness. And so when I decided to quit, it was more of a core values decision based off my happiness and and my fulfillment. It was less about, Hey, I'm going to quit to pursue that next thing. Hey, I'm going to quit to pursue these studies at, at Stanford. Um, it was just shutting the door on something that was just draining me. And like, I feel like sucking my soul away. Um, and I think, yeah, every athlete kind of is not sure of their next step. And the nice thing was that I still had two more years of college. So it wasn't like suddenly I have to go transition into a professional career in some ways. It was like, awesome. I get to be a real college student now. And like, maybe go to class now because I actually never went to class. I was so tired and I hated it. (laughs) And so without looking for extracurricular things or passions or jobs in some ways, just suddenly I had all this like white space. I suddenly enjoyed campus life more. I suddenly felt motivated to go and show up to class. Whereas before I never wanted to go to class. And with that, um, I ended up studying abroad, which many athletes, especially um, year-round athletes can't do when they're in college. I ended up um, finding my first 
uh, I guess, internship working for an internet company, Yahoo. And that got my foot in the door for the tech industry. So that by the time I was a senior and graduating college, I already had, you know, some stuff to put on my resume, um, for my corporate experience. And that made my transition into like working full time after college, much more smooth. Wow. You know, uh, what I love about the, like your story and how, how it ended yeah, does it suck that you like you quit in the middle of college? But I think when you honor, like you get to a point where you honor yourself and go, you know what? I don't have any gas in the tank for this anymore. And like, for me, it's, I spent two decades frustrated and pissed off because my body told me I was done and I wasn't done with the sport. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't do the work emotionally. So I, I was pissed off for a long time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if I came to a, a decision with my, I just really be with my body. Like, Hey, listen, like this body took me 13 years in this sport. I had an incredible time doing it. I honor that. And I didn't want to honor it cause I was frustrated and pissed. But I think with you, you, you got to this point where you needed to honor yourself. And then all these things started to open up. Like you, mm-hmm. like you were freed from it for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah, it, it was very liberating. And, um, again, I think it just came down to the fact that, Hey, this is not just, it doesn't, it doesn't just make, okay, like you can't just go off happiness, right? Because things that are worth pursuing, things that fulfill you are not going to constantly make you happy. Happiness and unhappiness, I feel like are somewhat fleeting moments. You're going to have mm-hmm. moments in your sports career and your business, raising kids where you don't feel happy, but you're still in it because it is worth it. It fulfills you. It gives you purpose. And with swimming, I was, of course I wasn't happy. In fact, I was very unhappy. I would say that state of unhappiness was a lot less fleeting. It felt a little bit more permanent. And for me, it just didn't feel like it was giving me any purpose, like the end goal and this, this pain that I'm kind of going through, it just wasn't worth it. And so I think it's always good to just reflect on what fulfills you, what gives you purpose. You know, again, don't expect everything to make you happy all the time. Trust me with business, with your job, you're not going to be happy all the time. But if you realize that, Hey, disproportionately things are making you unhappy most of the time, you might want to audit that and, you know, see again, what, what is driving you and if it's worth it to endure that. Totally. Absolutely. And, and I want to get into your company now. Um, great Nola. I want you to share with with my listeners a little bit about, about the company and, and what motivated you to, to get into food. Sure. So, um, my company's great NOLA. So that's G R the number eight N O L A. And it's basically healthy, superfood, absolutely delicious granola. Um, so I have some pretty unique flavors like a matcha turmeric, and even a black granola made with activated charcoal. Um, this was actually something that was born from a cleanse. My husband and I do every single year after super bowl. So this is after all the holiday eating, the tailgating, and we just (laughs) clean up our diets. And when we were searching for basically like a sweet and crunchy snack, there just weren't a lot of options that we could, we could eat except fruit. And so Granola tends to be one of those kind of fake healthy foods with a lot of refined sugars, inflammatory oils. So I started making my own recipe and Tank was that first customer who just demanded that I made it all the time. And even when we were on this diet or not, it just soon became a a household staple. And Mm -hmm. so at the time when I was starting to make this granola just for us, you know, just to have as a snack, never to be a business, I started to get the itch to do my own thing. I was working in tech. Um, as my nine to five. And I have to say that it wasn't like I was 
intentionally of wanting to become a food entrepreneur. My initial desire was to just be a, a an entrepreneur period. Um, mm. And it took a while for me to actually put two and two together and say, Hey, like maybe my business venture, my business idea could be this really delicious, low sugar, healthy granola that I'm making at home for, for tank and I, and I decided to launch it at the local farmer's market and then got it into all the big tech companies like Google, Twitter, Facebook, which now has been impacted greatly by COVID with everyone working from home. But I've been able to really build up um, my online, you know, my online presence selling on my website and on Amazon, as well as um, getting into grocery. So I've actually been doing this for seven years, but the first five was a little bit of a, was a side hustle. So even though the journey feels long, I still feel super fresh um, because I love what I do. I've taken my time to get to the point that I am. And I haven't given myself as much pressure, I would say. So, wow. You know, and I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but, but I just experienced this. It was really cool is that I've had a lot of like athletes, former athletes come on and they talk about, you know, their transition into what they're doing now. I've had Drew Bledsoe and I've had Jake Plummer. Um, I've had just tons of people and every time they they love, you know, their journey, their athletic journey is what it is. And there's a lot of cool stuff that they probably talk about all the time throughout their life. But I remember talking to both Jake and also Drew, as soon as they were done talking about football and they were talking about what they're doing now, there was this shift in oh, energy. Yeah. There was like, like a, oh, like yeah. a spark. Yeah. And so when you started talking about your company, you could feel that like, yeah. like this is something that you're really authentically excited about. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And I think that's the difference. And maybe with sports, you're too young to even process this, right? Cause like when you're young as an athlete, it's kind of the only experience, you know, whereas with me, I'm able to kind of compare the feelings and the drive that I have now to when I was a nine to five tech worker, where I really was passionate about my tech career at one point, just like with swimming, I was super excited and you know, love to win and enjoyed the meets. Um, but now as you get older, you go through these, um, different phases, you're able to be more reflective and, and actually compare the difference because you have so much more experience. Well, when you think about reflection, when you reflect on your whole career, athletic and professional, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? I mean, I think the main thing is that I, um, I have the tools and I have the tenacity to chase my goals. Right. Um, when I graduate. Okay. So when I graduated college, I had, I think I'm sure a lot of athletes go through this. You have this, maybe a feeling of like an imposter syndrome where at least for me, I think, Oh, you know, I was a phenomenal swimmer, but how do I know that's not just a fluke? How do I know I'm going to be good at my job? And then suddenly you get some experience. And, you know, in, in my kind of first couple years of, of, um, my tech career, I was able to learn within the first three, four years. Hey, I'm actually a pretty, I was pretty good at my job. Like I was a high performer within my team. And then as I started to do my business, I have this like lack of confidence, this imposter syndrome of, Oh, is this going to translate into my business? Am I going to be able to be successful? And over time, and as I've kind of progressed through each of those phases, and I've been able to look back, I've learned that at the end of the day, it's all about like your core grit and, yeah. you know, again, your willingness to have that mental toughness to pursue that goal that you're chasing. So I feel like tomorrow, if I decided, Hey, I, I want to go pursue something else because I'm so driven by it. I know I'm willing to put in the work to make it, to make it happen. 
it's not this, Oh, am I just going to be naturally good at it? Like at the end of the day, it takes tons of hard work and will. And I know that I have the will as long as that end goal is worth it to me. You know, I just listened, I just heard this, this quote from uh, Charles Young and it, it was, it was really simple. The only way is through it. And so when I heard that, I, I look at all of my, my adversities, my journey as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a mental performance coach, um, for me to like, there's going to be days where I, I love what I do. And there's some days where it sucks. It's some mm-hmm. shitty days, mm-hmm. but to get through it, man, the only way is to get through it, like lean into it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I know that you and I, and a lot of people that we associate with, we've had to just go through it. We have to lean into it and just get through it. And, sure. but it's cool when you love what you do, because leaning into it and getting through it, it's a little more enjoyable. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, there's hundreds of those micro moments. And so again, you really have to love what you do as a whole. You're not going to love the every getting through moment, but if you kind of piece and stitch all those moments together and you realize where you are now, and if you feel like it's worth it, it's going to help, you know, motivate you to get through those next times because they will show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can my listeners follow you, connect with you and learn more about your company? Sure. So first you can buy Great Nola on my website, which is gr the number eight N-O-L-A, greatnola.com. You could also check out and get it on uh, Prime Delivery on Amazon. And then of course, uh, check out Great Nola on Instagram. So again, it's just the handle at Great Nola. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Erica, I, I want to thank you so much for sharing your, your whole story um, and being authentic and vulnerable with it and, and, your, and sharing your successes as, as an entrepreneur. This is, um, for me, it was a treat. And I know that my listeners can get a lot of lessons from your journey. And I really appreciate it. No, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. You bet. 